This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Before I read uh, the Bible passage that I'll be preaching from this morning, I'd like to share something personal. Two verses that have been favourites of mine for many, many years, in fact, for, for decades. Uh, verses that have been foundational for me, uh, for my life and my ministry. Now, from Paul's letter to the Colossians, which actually opens by saying that it's from Paul and Timothy, my two verses are from Colossians 1, verses 28 and 29. He is the one we proclaim, and Paul there is talking about Jesus, of course. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This has been my model. Uh, what I've aspired to in my ministry. Every part of it has been significant for me personally. Proclaiming Jesus and the good news that there is salvation and life through the death that Jesus died and through his resurrection. In my preaching, in, uh, in small groups and in more personal interactions. That's something I've strived to do. Admonishing and teaching. Uh, whenever I have done questionnaires or inventories on spiritual gifts, teaching has always been within the top three. Over a lifetime, I've sought to faithfully develop and use those gifts in all sorts of settings. With all wisdom, not my own, but God's. One of the newer translations, the New Living uh, Translation, has, with all the wisdom God has given us. Now, the Greek doesn't actually have that bit that God has given us, but it's implied by the things that Paul says earlier and later. And I like it, and it's been a good reminder to me. And all with the goal of helping people grow and mature, becoming more and more like Jesus. My motivation hasn't just been for people to become Christians, and I, I, I sense the same heart in Lewis as he was talking, but for them to become genuine, faithful followers and disciples of the Lord Jesus, becoming mature in him. To this end, I can uh, strenuously contend, um, uh, or a number of other translations have words like work, toil, struggle, strive, um, uh, and other words like that, labour. I like the way that Paul becomes more personal here. He changes from the we of Timothy and himself to the I. This is his experience. And I reckon as I think back over my years in ministry... Uh, that I could um, well say the same thing that he's saying here. But then comes my favourite part of these two verses. 
I do my bit, but what enables me is the power and the energy of Christ's spirit within. And that's what ultimately will make the difference. As you can see, these two verses are rather special for me, and I could go on about them. Um, but we must move on to uh, today's passage, uh, the one that I'm supposed to be preaching on this morning, which is actually also from Colossians, as it turns out. So uh, it's Colossians chapter 3, 12 to 17. I've tried to fit it all on one slide. It might be a bit small for those um, who are watching the slide, so let me read it. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, does that passage sound familiar to you? We actually had it two weeks ago, um, though I've chosen to do it in a different version today. Uh, Two weeks ago was when I preached on forgiving one another, which is the expression that we have there in verse 13. Our current series is about reconnecting and we've been looking at several of the one another instructions in scripture. There's another one in verse 13 apart from forgiving one another and that's bearing with one another. And I'll be preaching on that one next Sunday so we might have another look at part of this passage. But today the topic is the one in verse 16, the one another that's there teach and admonish one another. Now, no doubt we're all pretty clear on what teaching means, but admonishing is a term we don't often use, and the biblical use of it is liable to be misunderstood for that reason. So let me just give you a quote from a well-known pastor, preacher, writer. Uh, I'm sure you've all heard of him, um, Johnny Sharp. Johnny has written a a Bible study on this topic for the Connect groups. Um, uh, Actually, it's not just for them uh, because it's available to anyone uh, on the church website. If you just click on the the teaching tab. And this is what uh, Johnny says in a footnote in that Bible study. Can we have that next slide? The word often translated as admonishing, nuthetio, is not as harsh as the English translations might imply. It literally means to put in mind or to call attention to, 
and might be better translated as cautioning or warning, reproving gently or mildly rebuking. Other words that come up in other translations are exhort, instruct and counsel. Admonishing could be considered a type of teaching, but there's an important distinction. Teaching is the imparting or sharing of knowledge or information. Admonishing also involves this, but it it goes the extra step. It's with an encouragement or an appeal to do something about it. So, for example, if I tell you um, Jesus said that we must love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and our neighbour as ourselves, then that's teaching. But if I say to you, you really should love God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind and your neighbour as yourself because Jesus commanded that and said it was the most important commandment, then that's admonishing or exhorting. Now those two words, teach and admonish, um, in those verses uh, that um, we read earlier, They are the exact same two words that Paul uses in the two verses I shared with you, my personal verses, at the beginning. Uh, As I pointed out, uh, Paul was writing there about his ministry and that of Timothy. Elsewhere, he emphasises the importance of good teaching from church leaders uh, like himself and Timothy. Um, a number of places in scripture but in Ephesians 4 for example he lists the gifts of apostles prophets, evangelists pastors and teachers there all together uh, the church leaders including teachers but here's the really important thing I want you to think about for a moment despite Paul's emphasis on church leaders teaching and admonishing what he says in today's passage is teach and admonish one another. He clearly means that this ministry is not simply restricted to just the church leaders, but is to be exercised much more generally by one another to one another. There's a a great example of the combination of these two ideas in a passage in Paul's letter to the Romans. I didn't put it on the slide, but but just listen to this from Romans 15. I myself feel confident about you, he writes, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Nevertheless, on some points I have written to you boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given by God to be a minister. But let's get back now to our main passage uh, for this morning, uh, the passage from Colossians chapter 3. And uh, that's going to help us, I think, with some key principles um, as we think about how we can uh, admonish and teach one another. Uh, five principles altogether, and I'll go through each one fairly quickly. The first we are 
to teach and admonish one another in love. And that's clear from uh, Colossians 3.14. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The preceding verses in our passage, verses 12 to 13, list other qualities that are also important as we teach and admonish, including compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Um, Johnny's Bible study deals with those in a little bit more depth than we can do that than we can do this morning. They are all important, but Paul goes on to single out love as the highest priority that links them all together. Teaching and especially admonishing must come from a place of love. Otherwise, it shouldn't be done. It's what Paul says uh, in one of his other letters, uh, teaching the truth in love. Secondly, uh, we are to teach and admonish in peace. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Teaching and admonishing must be done in a spirit of peace, the peace of Christ, and with a desire for shalom. Our calling, in fact, is to peace. Teaching and admonishing done in the right way can enhance peace and unity. But as you know, if it's done in an ungodly or unscriptural way, it can lead to all sorts of dysfunction within the body. The key principle we find here uh, in the next verse um, is that teaching and admonishing must be done with the word of Christ within. And that's on our next slide, thanks. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. The word of Christ is the gospel and the teachings and doctrines of Christ. Having this in our hearts and in our minds is obviously an important qualification for teaching and admonishing. We don't teach made-up myths or speculations of our own invention, but we teach revealed truth being conversant with scripture is obviously foundational. In commending the singing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Paul takes a slightly different tangent. He seems to be pointing out here the significant role that these can have in helping us to learn and remember the things of Christ. The fourth principle we see, and it's actually in this same verse, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. All I want to say here is to emphasise what I said earlier about the origin of our wisdom for teaching and admonishing one another. Um, ultimately, we need to be relying on God to provide wisdom beyond our own because our own is so limited in contrast. And God has promised to provide that through the Holy Spirit. And the fifth principle, the, the final one I have for you from this passage uh, from 
uh, the last verse, verse 17. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus, uh, of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Uh, when we think of teaching and admonishing, we usually think of doing it through words, don't we? Um, uh, words that we speak out. But we also teach through our actions and our deeds. And it's a very important way in which we teach one another. There's a lot of truth in the saying that actions speak louder than words. Modelling is a, a significant teaching method and a very important way that we all learn. Jesus provided a powerful example of teaching through deeds when he took the water and the towel at the Last Supper and did what a servant would normally do. He washed the feet of his disciples. There's a, a famous saying often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. And I love that quote that Josh gave us earlier. Um, uh, from that um, science fiction writer uh, show don't tell and that's the same point that I'm drawing out from uh, this passage from verse 17 this morning the importance of teaching not just in word but also in deed so teach and admonish one another in love in peace with the word of Christ within in all wisdom slide now, thanks. I'll come to a bit of a conclusion. I had a long uh, walk and talk with one of our elders during the week, and uh, one of the many topics we discussed was this, uh, this topic of teaching and admonishing. Uh, he's an experienced science teacher and obviously knows a thing or two about teaching. He made an important point that I want to pass on to you before I finish. His point that it's was that it's one thing to teach, but for learning to occur, then the other person has to be open to it. I think that's very true when it comes to us teaching and admonishing one another. Let us each teach and admonish, certainly, in line with the principles that we've had a look at from this passage this morning. But beyond that, let us also all be open to what the Spirit has to teach us through the other members of the body. I began with a personal reflection this morning, and I'd like to finish with another. In my early days as a preacher, I came across a poem that, that really spoke to me, and um, uh, you may be able to get something out of it as well. Uh, so much so... Um, I copied it and stuck it inside the ring binder that I used for many years to preach from. I tend to just now have sheets of paper everywhere, but back then I was organised and I had a ring binder and they'd be punched and in the front of my ring binder was this poem. And I still have both, the ring binder and the poem. Uh, it was written by Edgar Guest uh, and it's a real poem, you know, one of these poems that rhymes. Um, not a rap. So it's not a contemporary poem. Um, in fact, uh, 
the guy died uh, just a few years after I was born, so you can tell it's not a contemporary poem. Uh, and some of the language is outdated, and it doesn't use inclusive language, but still I think it makes its point. And it ties in with the last point I made about, um, about teaching and admonishing in word and deed. Anyway, here's the poem. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. The eye's a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon could learn to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lecture you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. When I see a deed of kindness, I am eager to be kind. When a weaker brother stumbles and a strong man stays behind just to see if he can help him, then the wish grows strong in me to become as big and thoughtful as I know that friend to be. And all travellers can witness that the best of guides today is not the one who tells them, but the one who shows the way. One good man teaches many. Men believe what they behold. One deed of kindness noticed is worth 40 that are told. Who stands with men of honour learns to hold his honour dear. For right living speaks a language which to everyone is clear. Though an able speaker charms me with his eloquence, I say, I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info. Oh, 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 o